Genesis chapter 1. Today, I'm going to read the first 13 verses to you today. Here's what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was... God saw that the light was what? And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning. That was the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was what? And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, and saw that it was what? And there was the evening, and there was the morning, the third day. Now jump all the way down to verse 31. Genesis 1.31, and this is what it says. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, God, behold all of us in the palm of your hands, that by your very word, Lord, you can speak life to each and every single one of us. And Lord, we sit here today in your presence, thankful that you have spoken that word over us in your son, Christ Jesus. So Lord, may the word become flesh today, dwell among us. May, may it uh, provide understanding and, and fuel us, Lord, for the walk that we have with you. We honor you, not just today, but all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Those first two verses introduce us to the Creator. Before anything was there, God was. Before anything was made, God was there. That just shows you how big God is. Whenever you doubt certain things that are happening in your life. Maybe there's things that are happening in your life and you're wondering, where is God? I need him right now. Trust me. Your problem is like a dirt, like dirt in, in his fingernails. It's not that big a deal. If it's not that big a deal to him, it shouldn't be that big a deal to you. As we outlined all of this here, first two verses were about the creator and what happens next, the next 29 verses all the way through chapter 1 and some of chapter 2, we hear about creation. 
This is, in essence, the history of the world. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, the creation of the world did not happen billions of years ago. We are only a few thousand years old. There's a lot of uh, studies that have been done where they show how carbon dating is wrong, in essence, the way a lot of scientists believe. Um, there is a group, uh, if you want to look up their website, it's called answersingenesis.org. If you look them up, they'll actually show, they actually take uh, tour groups down to the Grand Canyon to show you exactly how old things are, and they'll show you how things have been cut, and a lot of it relates back to the flood. Kind of makes you wonder if the Grand Canyon was something carved out of the flood when the waters uh, superseded or subsided. And so all these things happen all by God's design. As you read that account, I only read to you the first um, three days of creation. But God, in essence, took six days and created everything except for man with his word. He spoke it, and it was. So if the word is that important that he can speak it, and it is, wouldn't it behoove you and I to make sure that we know what he has already spoken because it's already there for you and I? The blessings of God are all there already. He's given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. And if you would just stay true and understand what he says, you will find that what he said is all good. Somebody say amen to that. A couple things about um, what we read, and I just want to share this as as a way of opening. Um, But God is very much involved in creation. He didn't ask some some lower angel or some higher tiered angel, hey, do me a favor, go create a world for me. He didn't do that. He was extremely involved in the way that things were created. So much so that if you pay attention to what we read today about the trees and the plants, in its fruit lay seeds so that it can bear fruit and multiply. We keep asking for fruit, but What's important about the fruit is that there's seed in there so that it would multiply. God thought of every single detail when it came to creating the world that you and I get to live in. If you think about it, this is, in essence, the kingdom of God is what he's creating. It's all made by him, the king. And what he has created is part of his kingdom. So, of course, he would be extremely detailed in everything that he's created. You are one of one. I say that about my granddaughter all the time. There's only one Everly Gray Fenslow in all of the world, and it shows. There's no one like her. Just like her, there's no one like you. You have some form of seed inside of you. You have a testimony, more specifically, inside of you that when fruit of God bears fruit in your life, it actually can cause someone else's growth. That's how important you are. That's why God spoke everything into existence, man, he formed by his hands. Yeah, the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters in in this moment of creation, these days of creation. 
But you, he breathed the spirit of God into you so that you would have life. You and I are different. One thing to make sure that you remember, though, is that creation can never be above its creator. Which is sometimes the struggle we have and we see as we live on this side of eternity. People try to elevate creation greater than its creator. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but I love to cook. And I would say I'm pretty good at it. I, you know, I've watched enough cooking shows. I went to YouTube University. I went to Food, Work, Food Network University. I can chop up some stuff just like anybody. I can make a pretty mean burger. But as I assemble that burger, me, the chef, that burger will never be greater than the chef. Anything that you ever make, anything that we ever do can never be greater than the creator of the universe. It's important that you and I remember that when we look at this account of creation. God took six days to build everything. Six days. On the seventh day, he rested. You could say that he, in essence, created rest by resting on the seventh day. But I want you to pay attention to the order of how he created everything. Because in it, I believe, is where you'll find the, the things that God truly wants you and I to know for this side of eternity. Days one through three, he created light. He created the heavens or the skies and the seas. And then day three, he creates land. I'm going to say that one more time. Light the skies and the sea, and then land. It's interesting because if you look at days one through three, they correlate with days four through six. Days four, day four, he creates light bearers. He creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Very similar to day one, which was he created light. Day four, he creates light bearers. Day, five, day two, he creates the seas and the skies. Day five, what does he create? He creates fish and birds. They correlate. Seas, skies, fish, birds. And then day three, he creates land. Day six, what does he make? He makes animals, land animals, and then he makes humans. There's a correlation between one, days one through three and days four through six. And here's what I want us to remember. God forms, and then God fills. Write that down. God forms, and then God fills. He formed things first. Light was there before sun, moon, and stars were there. Um, the, the, the sea and the skies were there before he populated the oceans with fish and, and, and the skies with birds. And then uh, he created land before he filled it with animals and humans. He forms first, and then he fills. Here's why this is important for you and I today. We keep trying to fill before we're even formed. 
I want everything that you make, Lord, that you say is good. I want all your blessings, but you are not in a position where you're formed to receive all of those blessings yet. And when you do that, then it's always elusive from you. It's almost like you got a cup that's got a hole at the bottom, and you keep trying to fill it, and you keep wondering why. Why does this faith thing not work for me? I go to church. I, keep, I, I read my Bible. But could it be that you have not been allowed, you've not allowed yourself to be formed completely by the Creator so that you can be filled appropriately by the Creator? This is an important aspect of what we know as divine order. God forms first, and then he fills. Let's take your faith life. You are formed by your faith. We are saved through, by grace through faith. The moment that you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, now your faith begins to be formed. Furthermore, you keep walking with the Lord, and you keep staying close to the Lord. And by way of a process that the scriptures refer to as sanctification, you are now sanctified. For, now you're formed even more. You become a vessel that can contain even more. No holes in this vessel. I don't want any holes in this vessel. Search me, O oh God. See that there's no wicked way in me. I want you to be able to fill me so that I can have all that you have to offer. And you begin to be formed that way. And the moment that he forms you, and now that you're formed, then you can be filled. God will only fill a clean vessel. Which is why Jesus came before the Holy Spirit came. You are a new creation in Christ. You were born again. You could almost say that you were recreated so that the form of you, this faithful form, can now be filled with the Holy Spirit. We keep wanting to be filled by this, the Holy Spirit and have all these spiritual gifts, do it, but you're not even close to being formed. Let me give you one thing that you need to remember so that you stay formed and you continue to be formed. If you want to be formed appropriately, you have to stay within the hands of the Creator. You can remember every single scripture that you have right now. You know, take heed to my word. Do not depart to the left nor to the right. In other words, stay here. Abide in me and I in you and what? You will bear much fruit. If you would stay and remain in the hands of the creator, then you will be formed appropriately by God and now you can be filled by God when you are formed appropriately. God forms and then he fills. Somebody say amen to that. And if you look at the, the account of creation, that's what you and I see. God forms and then he fills. We can't keep trying to be filled without being formed first. And, and if you think about it, Paul, when he first met Jesus on the way to Damascus, Jesus, in essence, sent him to a man by the name of Ananias. And there, while he was blind and could not see, 
his faith was being formed. And then when he was filled by the Holy Spirit, then he was released into his destiny as we know it in the scriptures. David was exactly the same way. David was behind a mountain. He was tending the sheep. He was probably making musical instruments out of trees and, and, and making wind instruments with bark and other things. All while he was guarding and watching and tending to the sheep. He fought off a bear and a lion before he would fight off Goliath. God was forming him. And then for that specific reason, so that at the appropriate time, God would make him king of his people. And so that he would rule and reign over his people. You have to allow yourself to be formed first. Here's the one thing that I, another thing that I want to make sure that we address is that there's times where I believe we operate out of form and we don't allow ourselves to be filled by the Spirit of God. Well, this is church. We meet at 10 a.m. We sing a few worship songs and then the pastor comes up and shares the word and you're here in attendance and you sit and you go, this is good form. But nothing is revealed to you and nothing can take root in your life unless you are filled by the Holy Spirit. Nothing will ever change in your life by keep repeating the form. You have to allow yourself to surrender and you have to surrender your lordship. You're not lord of you anymore. God is lord of you. You were bought with a price. You were ransomed by Christ Jesus. His blood paid for your sins, redeemed you from your sins, and, and that whole thing about redemption, he paid in full for you. Now you surrender yourself to him, now the promise of the Father can come upon you. You will now endue with power from on high. We can't keep operating like, oh yeah, yeah, I got this. I think everything's good. I get the form. We sing songs. He opens the Bible. He reads to us. We're good. I think I'm saved. No. You've learned the form, but have not allowed yourself to be filled. You need the Holy Spirit. Creation was not made apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit was there. And so was the Son of God. Which brings us to, brings us to my next point. Why did he make light first? Why light first? Is that so that he could see what he was making? Day one says, let there be light. Before anything was created, light came first. Light is a reference. It symbolizes Jesus. What did Jesus say when he was walking with disciples? I am the light of the world. Pay attention to who was there. God. The Father, the Creator, was there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the earth was formless. It was void. And the Spirit of God was there, hovering over the face of the waters, over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. You see the instance where the Word causes something to become flesh and blood and reveal to you and I. In, in the beginning... God was there in all of his fullness. And when he said, let there be light, I believe it's another reference to the Son of God. Think of it this way. Everything was created in the presence of light. 
What does it say in John? Nothing was made without him. There was nothing that was made where he wasn't there. Everything from day two through six was created in the presence of that light. How could there be light when the sun and moon and stars were not even created until day four? That is because Christ was there. He was the light. He is that light. Later on, when you get to Revelation, there won't be any light emitting from the sun, moon, and stars. Jesus will be the light that lights up the kingdom of God. Everything in the beginning of the book always points towards all that happens in the end. The fulfillment of all that God has created, we see it step by step transpire and grow into what we know as the redemption, the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb where you and I get to be with Christ again for all of eternity. It builds towards that. There's nothing that isn't in here. In fact, it's kind of funny if you think about it, if you've read your Bible, and when things happen, why do we act so surprised? According to the scriptures, you know, eventually there'll be a time where Israel is about to lose. The country of God is about to lose. But right before that happened is when the Son of God descends. Zechariah 14 says that he will land right where he ascended in the Mount of Olives. And an earthquake will happen and will separate the earth east and west. And then God is going to come down and fight. And that um, the Jezreel Valley, the Bible describes it as being filled with blood up to a horse's bit. What's crazy to me is that we don't really even fight. It's almost like we're just an accessory piece to Jesus because he fights and he destroys everybody. When the armies of the enemy come, there is our king on a white horse. And then the fight happens and we win. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We are victorious people. You just have to know what God is doing. Divine order is extremely important because how can you operate in your faith if you don't know that there has to be a form to your faith so that it can be filled first? God is not a magic genie in the sky where you rub the lamp or you rub the Bible and go, gimme, 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 gimme. Allow yourself to be formed in him. Know the word. Know God. When you know the word, and you, you'll know God. When you know God, you're going to know his will. And then now you can be filled with the things of God. And the things that you see on this earth aren't going to be as drastic to you as they may appear. They should never tear you down. What can man do to me is what the scriptures say. If God is for me, what can man do to me? Knowing the promises of God to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. What can man do to me? So then I, I guess I, if, if something happens to me here, I guess I don't have to pay my mortgage anymore. My poor wife has to pay it. <laughs> Let there be light. Look at John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came. When Jesus came, he brought life, and in him was the light of men. Similar to day one, light was existent already. Day four happens, the sun, the moon, and the stars. We, we might as well fall into the category of what looks like day four. We will sit here and we'll look. God's light is now in us. We shine because of the greater light. Look at what 1 John chapter 1 says, verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and we proclaim it to you. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. Light came first. Light bearers came next. You are a light bearer for Christ Jesus. If you want to truly be lit up on this side of eternity, then you have to walk in the light. Somebody say amen to that. I need that light. There's no life apart from that light. We need Christ Jesus. That's why light came first. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let there be light. Declare that over yourself right now. Let there be light. I need the light of the Lord. Psalm 27, I prayed it earlier. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We need light. We need the light that is Jesus. Point number three, I want you to look at creation, and I, I want you to look at the way God made things. If you look, verse three says, let there be light, there was light. Verse four, God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. In creation, in the way that God orders things, in his divine order, we see the principle of separation. Day is separated from night. Light is separated from darkness. This is a part of how God creates, which makes sense because he declared that you and I should be a people that are separate from the world. You have to embrace the principle of separation if you are to operate by the divine order of God. If you want to take form in God, you have to embrace being separated from the world. If I am for God, that means that I am not for the things of this earth. I am not for the things that are contrary to God or at an enmity with God. I am for God. Therefore, I operate by the standards of his kingdom. Although the world says, don't forgive that person. They were a jerk to you. 
The law of the kingdom of God says forgive and you shall be forgiven. So I aim to please and honor my God by forgiving. I've separated myself from the things that are not of God. These are things that you and I have to do. You have to embrace the principle of separation. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That is who you are. Priests were separated. They were separated from the rest of the people. They were different. Now you and I, under the banner of Jesus, we're not a quote-unquote army like we all like to say. We're better described as priests. We worship day and night. Our life is worship. The fragrance of our life gives an aroma to God, and he's pleased by it. When you and I operate the way that we're supposed to operate, understanding and walking in this time of separation. Be different, not like everybody else. I'm okay with, with us being this. Someone asked me the other day, hey, like, what's your goal? Like three services, four services? And, you know, are you going to plant? Are you going to do? Like, look, I just want to honor God. And I'm going to disciple people till, till my face turns blue. I don't care. And if we disciple people, then what are we doing? We're honoring God. Yeah, but this church is doing this, and these guys are doing this. That's okay. I'm separating myself. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path that leads to life. I want to walk by the narrow road. So I'm going to embrace being separated, being different. You have to allow yourself to be different. Light was separated from day. Night was separated from day. Light was separated from darkness. Likewise, Christ was separate from Satan. Look at the people of Israel. They were separate from the world. Look at the language of the scriptures. These are my chosen people. They're different. Now you and I are the chosen generation, the royal priesthood. We are those that are called to bring other people from his darkness into marvelous light. That's who we are. We're bringing people now into the light that you and I commune in and live in and dwell in. You have to embrace the principle of separation. You can't be like Lot's wife and keep looking back. You can't be like Lot's wife and go, oh, you know, Lot himself even lingered. If you know that story in Genesis 19, you know, two angels come say, hey, Lot, God's about to destroy this place. It's going to rain fire. You need to get out. The Bible says Lot lingered. He hesitated. Why did he hesitate? Because he was in love with the world and didn't embrace being separated for the sake of God. If you want to truly be formed by God, separate yourself from the world. You have to live different. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 13 through 16, this is what Peter says. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
My prayer is that every time you sit here under my teaching, every time that you sit here under anyone that teaches from this pulpit, the revelation of Jesus Christ will become clear to you. More and more and more, you'll understand why you've been saved, how you've been saved, and who it is that saved you. Somebody say amen to that. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Stop looking back. I remember the days when we used to party all night and go over here and do all this stuff. Oh, man, those were the days. No, those are not the days. Those are the days where you were separate from God. Separate yourselves from those things. Quick testimony. Thank you for those of you that were praying for me while I went to California after service last week. For those of you that don't know, one of my best friends from high school passed away. He was 50 years old, way too young, way too premature. And I was intimidated going back. This is straight up now. I'm, I was intimidated. Why? Because all those people knew me in my BC days. They knew me before I knew Christ. And I was standing there, and as I was driving, I had just this feeling. This just, the Holy Spirit was like, no, you're supposed to be here. You ever been at the right place at the right time, the God-appointed moment? You just knew it. I was there. It's been a while since I felt that, but I felt it this past Monday. I am there, and I'm standing there. I stood purposely at the front where everybody was walking in so I can get all my highs out to everybody and hellos out to everybody. And it was so good to see. 35 years I haven't seen these people. I'm giving away hugs like I'm a politician, man. It was like, it was, it was so amazing. I go up there, and I'm sharing, and I'm getting ready to exhort the word of God, and, and, and I'm standing there, and it just kind of came out, you know. I, I told everybody that, man, if you knew me before, I told them that I was afraid. I was kind of, not afraid, but intimidated. And then I, I said this, like, you guys knew me in my BC days, and I used to gather, gather everybody, and you guys would come to my house to have to party. Because that's what I did way back in my BC days. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't condone that, young people. So if you're listening to me, don't, don't do that. But people used to gather at my house to party. After football games, whatever, they, we would be at my house. And then there, very boldly in front of everybody, but I don't do that anymore. I gather crowds and people in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, something broke the moment that I said that because then it became very real for everybody. Everything that I said, I, you know me, guys, I'm super, I'm not afraid to preach the word of God. And I did. And there was a lot of people that received Jesus that day. It was a fruitful time. Yeah, give God some praise for that. Funny story is that some guy walked up, my brother was walking with me, and, and, and some guy walked up to me and was like, hey, man, you remember me? This big dude, like, you know, like, I think he played football, you know, just big Hispanic dude. He's like, hey, Mahomes, you remember me? And I said, oh, dude, you look so familiar. And, he, and he gave me his name, and he says, I was elbow, elbowing my wife because, like, when you walked up there to talk, I was like, I know that dude, eh? I know that guy. And then when you said that people used to gather at his house, I elbowed my wife again. I said, hey, that's how I know him. 
I was at that dude's house. He literally said that to me. And then after that, he's like, man, it's so cool that you're preaching the word of God now. What a testimony. These are the kind of things. I don't look back at those days and go, oh, man, I miss those days. I believe that's what Peter is talking about. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That was yesterday you. That was the old you. That is not the new you in Christ Jesus anymore. Verse 15, he says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. God is in a category all by himself. And his people are supposed to emulate how separate he is from everything else. We are God's people. Act like God's people. Live like God's people. What are you living for if you're not living for God? You want to embrace the divine order of everything? Then live for what the creator has created you to be. You keep wondering, well, what's my purpose in life? What's my purpose in life? Your purpose is to be holy as he is holy. To bring glory to God in the way that you live. So what if you get looked down upon? So what if you're the only quote-unquote religious person in your office? I'd rather uh, not be ashamed of God and be ashamed of how, than, than be ashamed of how people perceive me in this world. My job, my, my life is to honor God in everything. What did Jesus say? Hey, if you have a... a, a a candle or a light, nobody puts a lampshade on it. It's supposed to light up the whole room. You are supposed to light up the whole room with the testimony of who God is to you. Last point. As people of God, we are to embrace God's good. Everything that God made, he looked upon it and said, that is good. Do you know that in creation, there's only one thing that God said was not good? Preach, lady. That's true. It's not good for man to be alone. That's the only thing that wasn't good. But everything that he created, he called good. And you and I have to be better about embracing what God deems as good. Do not elevate it above God. But the good things that God has created are meant for you and I to embrace. Remember this. The work always started with his word. And then he calls it good. If you want to know what God calls good, look no further to his word. God said, let there be, and there was, and then he called it good. This is why I will keep telling you as your pastor to make sure you spend time in the Word. Like devoted time in the Word. Because when I sit down with the Word, I'm not just studying this so that I have something to write and to journal. I'm sitting here at the feet of my God and my King. And I'm talking with Him. And He is talking with me. He is telling me things like, don't linger like Lot. 
Don't linger like Lot. Get up. Go. Run to life. Stop holding on to death and destruction. Stop looking at what's behind. I'm destroying that. Now move forward to what lies ahead. These are the things that happen when you sit there and read the Word of God. There's a lot of you that are memorizing Scripture right now. Praise God. That is a worthy endeavor. Why? Because God's Word is good. He spoke it, it was there, and He calls it good. There's no greater thing. If you keep wondering, well, why are we doing this? This is so hard. I feel like I'm in college again. If you really think about it, do you really have to be coerced into going on a date with your wife? No, I hope not. Do you have to be uh, uh, tricked into going on a date with your husband? Please, no. You and I get to spend time, intimate time, with our God, our Lord, and our King when we, when we spend time in the Word of God. Yes. And that is a sacred time. Just as God has called you to be separate from the world, make sure that you carve out time to be separate from the world, but engage with God through His Word. When you do that, you're always going to find God's good. It is right here. How did Satan combat, uh, how did Jesus combat Satan? By the word of God. It is written. How will you know how to fight if you don't know what is written? How will you know what is good if you don't know what God has said? It's extremely important. These are formative things. Remember, you have to be formed before you can be filled. In order for you to be formed, you need to make sure you position yourself under the creator. What does the creator do? He speaks, and then he declares it to be good because it's there. Make sure you position yourself under the words of the creator so that you can be formed according to his will. When you do that, you will always find God's good. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10, I'm going to close with this. Paul says this, he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Remember, he's the creator. We're the created. We are afflicted in every way. I'm sure a lot of you guys can look at that and go, oh yeah, I know what he means. But we're not crushed. We may be perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We may be persecuted, but he's never left us, nor has he forsaken us. We may be struck down, but we are not utterly destroyed. We are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may also be manifested in our bodies. Embracing his death and what he did on the cross is the closest thing to you and I embracing life on this side of eternity. What he did made it possible so that you can be formed. What he did made it possible so that the Holy Spirit can come so that you may be filled. You have to do your best in this life to embrace the light, to walk in the light, to make sure that you commune in the light, have fellowship with one another in the presence of the light. And you will find yourself fruitful.
especially when you embrace being separated from the things of this world and the things that, and the sin that so easily ensnares you. When you live that way and holiness is your goal, people are going to see the God in you. And the fruit, just like the fruit that has seed, that seed is going to cause someone else's growth. That is what God created. And that is who he created you to be. Stand with me, church.